Kā pū te rūha, kā hau te rangatahi. The old net is cast aside, the new net goes fishing. E akurau rangatira mā tēnei te mihi atu ki a koutou katoa, ko Maraia Rakuraku tēnei, ko Justin Murray tēnei, ko te hōtaka tēnei o te ahikā. Kia ora tātou katoa. You're with Te Ahikā, Radio New Zealand's Māori Features Programme. It gets a bad rap, that's no pun intended, and has been blamed for everything from traffic accidents to a drop in dress standards. And yet there's no denying the influence it holds for our rangatahi, as Justine and I found out at the inaugural hip-hop gig at Kaupapa Māori Music Week, discovering Māori are approaching the scene in a very Māori way. So the, the, the strong message I'm getting is it's not about the bling bling yeah, and uh, ching ching. Not into the bling bling, uh, you know, we're trying to keep it real. Yeah. Which know. is a perception in hip hop, isn't it? Yeah, well bling bling's all good, you know, if you make it to bling bling, but, um, you know, you, it's good to have a bit of bling with, uh, with some true essence, some true kōrero and some, you know, some real ngako that people can take that's, you know, a, a good kopa within it. As to Katerina Pihera, a wahine from Tiarua, making her mark. I try to, I guess, feminise the, the staunchness uh, and balance it out by by putting a princess, which was my whānau name that my whānau have called me since I was a peepee. So, yeah, had some mates name me Attack back at school. So <laughs> uh, just to keep both of my names and uh, balance it out, I thought I'd use Princess Attack. What do you remember the most about your childhood? For 78-year-old Lexi Starkey, it's Kai. So away we'd go with a, a little billy thing and climb the cornanny trees and be covered with cornannies all around our faces. Of, around of eating, they were lovely. <laughs> they were really lovely. That's what's in store for you in this week's edition of Tiahika. Ko tēnei te wāhanga o nā kūpū hau. New words to learn. Whakaaro. Thoughts. Whakaaro. So, tōku whakaaro. My thoughts. Kōrero. Talk. Speak. Kōrero. Nako. Nako's a word I've only ever heard when it's been applied to kai. It's like the best part of kai. So with a fish, the best part of the fish is supposed to be the fish brain. Now tonight you're going to hear it in a metaphorical sense where it's used to describe the knuckle of something, the essence of something, like the best part of something. Ahuatanga Māori. Now let's break down that word. Ahua is the appearance of something, like the appearance of me or the appearance of something. And tanga strengthens that word. Ahua tanga. Another example is rangatira is chief or rangatira tanga is chieftainship. Rangatira tanga. Mauraako is a term used to describe performing arts or taiaha. Mauraako. Paru. Now this is the word for dirty as in dirty clothes, dirty dishes. Paru. He iwi rangatira, chiefly peoples. He iwi rangatira. We introduced sayings last week, kaurio te mōhio, is something you say when you don't know something. And another is, te kai o te rangatira, ko te kōrero. Though that's more of a saying, or whakatauki, like the way our programme begins and ends each week with whakatauki. 
Te kai o te rangatira ko te kōrero, when translated means the food of chiefs is words. But when you look at the layered meaning of it, it refers to... The role of the rangatira being that of someone who doesn't waste his words or simply put, talk rubbish. Something you'll hear in the programme is Roa te fitu, translated, which means 27, as in the number 27. Rua is 2, te kou is 10, and ma fitu means plus 7. So, 2 times 10 is 20, plus 7 equals 27. Rua te kou ma fitu, 27. If you like the segment, why not amp it up and join Hikupu o te rā? A website that sends you a Māori word in your email. That's a word a day, seven words a week, 30 words a month, 180 words, six months, and in a year, well, you get the picture. The word is in a sentence, so one of the words for this week was tangata, person, tangata. And tangata, people, tangata. Now here's some sentences. Toko ono na tangata kei tōku whare e nohoana. There are six people living at my house. And he tangata pai kwe. You are a good person. Check out the website and in no time at all, you'll be able to hold conversations all in te reo Māori. Cool, eh? At our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika, all the details are there. They're a bit like superheroes. You know, one identity by day, another by night. Or in the case of Renee Seidel and Kahu Kushal, primary school teachers by day and by night, hip-hopsters, infinite Renstar and DJ Kinetic. Justine and I caught up with them where the corridor was about the lifestyle, the rhymes and, of course, bling bling. Te, te rarawa, te aupauri, me uh, te whanoa poku nui hoki. Yo, kia ora, ko kahu kushau, toku ingoa, no ngā puhi a hau. DJ Kinetic presents Kinetic Underground Aotearoa Hupa Music So say this was Hip Hop 101 Okay, so how hard is it to come up with rhymes just like that? Uh, rhymes, well, for me, um, rhymes is, comes pretty natural. Um, well, it's taken a long time for me to sort of get really comfortable within myself of what I'm, you know, because I used to try and write rhymes thinking about what will people like, what are they into, and, um, you know, when you start to think of what everyone else wants, you sort of lose the plot a little bit on, you know, your own creativity. And um, so I'm sort of really settled with myself now, um, I sort of, uh, you know, just get a kaupapa, go with it, just use different techniques, brainstorming and, and all that stuff and sorting it out or if I've got a flu. Do you carry it all around in your head, though? It must uh, be instant. Yeah, well, <clears throat> oh, well, at the moment I must have, in, well, in the time I've been doing music, I was just thinking about it lately. I've made, I might probably have 80, 80 full songs or something like that, plus collabs on the side, different things. And um, I suppose... It, you know, some of them, some of them get a bit hazy if you're out of practice. But um, you know, once if if because we we take it really serious with our music. You know, the last I think six seven days we've just been every day going through our set over and over, trying to get every line tight. You know, because uh, especially tonight we we're, we're real high caliber MCs in New Zealand, and you know we want to come off tight. Um, so. Uh, yeah, you, I, I suppose when you've got that many rhymes, you just uh, get into practice, but then it's sort of a part of you, you know. It, 
especially if it's real and you're expressing it, you know, from the heart, it, it just comes really natural and flows really well. Give me your minute to address those who thought I was finished. You haters done did it. Now I'm gonna take it to the outer limits. I'm smacking your gimmicks. Who don't know nothing about my business? We're cracking my Guinness. Lay back, laxes stacking my digits. You feeding me spinach. That be only fueling my fitness. Have you say now? But I spray style only the finest vintage. Climbing in inches through the darkness. So call me critic. I crawled the entire way to the top. See, it's a privilege to be up in this. Bear witness my contingent. Disregard opinions like broken syringes at a doctor's clinic. Fully committed. My mic physics are brilliant. I took the gamble of rap like a better millions on billions. West, we up in it. Feel this. No matter what we win it. Forever ill and living this dream. So who you kidding? Talk about what you represent in your music. Okay, uh, we pretty much represent uh, West Auckland hip hop. Uh, underground, uh, we've been uh, working really hard at our music for close to a decade now with different groups and uh, uh, just working on our own style of music. But uh, we're really into uh, positive messages through our music, but also music we enjoy. Um, and um, and just trying to, a lot of our stuff we talk about, uh, we try to include te reo Māori and kaupapa Māori in our kōrero and um, stuff that relates to people from where we're from and, and uh, especially those like urbanised in um, the city settings and, and, try, and yeah, just try and hono all our, uh, our music to that. So this, the, the strong message I'm getting is it's not about the bling bling yeah, and uh, ching ching. Not into the bling bling, uh, <laughs> you know, we're trying to keep it real. Yeah. Which know. is a perception in hip hop, isn't it? Yeah, well bling bling's all good, you know, if you make it to bling bling, but, um, you know, you, it's good to have a bit of bling with, uh, with some true essence, some true kōrero and some, you know, some real ngako that people can take that's, you know, a, a good kaupapa within it. Can I be rude and ask how many years young you are? I'm Ruetakoma uh, Fitu, Okuto. Wow, so since you were 17, you've been doing this? Oh, yeah, around then. Oh, well, since before that, you know, I've been into hip hop pretty much my whole life and into MCing, but yeah, I've been serious of making, writing, composing my own songs and beats and stuff since about then, yeah, with a number of different groups. Choice. And, and Kinetic yourself, describe your, your, your style and, and your music. Well, I guess my style is kind of based on the turntablism that I came from. That was where I started in hip-hop, and that's what inspired me to get into hip-hop. So really my style was based on turntablism and DJing, and then I got into the beat-making, which kind of extended me, and it was the next step, really. So that's where my style's from, turntablism, DJing, hip-hop. So can I ask, as, um, growing up, who were your influences in, in turntable? Because describe turntablism. Turntablism, to me, is more like the DJ coming to the forefront a bit and trying to get more musical with their, with, their, with their sound and maybe some tricks in there to impress some people if you can. More entertaining, I think. Um, and you're scratching records. Yep, you scratch records and you do all sorts of stuff with the beats if you can get crazy, as crazy as possible, really. Mm. Yeah. So would, would P Money be an influence? Definitely P Money. I have to say probably the guy that really caught my attention when I was getting into it with people like um, DJ Raw oh, yep. from Wellington, of course. Um, DJ Raw, Money, they were like the main guys around that I was sort of looking up to, definitely, yeah. We, we did talk about the fact that, you, you know, your background and that your your teachers, can we call it all about that? Yeah, uh, well, me and Kinetic first hooked up at... Um at university, uh, teachers training college, and uh, well, I see I'm from a place in uh, Auckland called Ranui, and I'm very proud of that. Uh, sort of, it's sort of the teacher talk call it a low decile, like a low socioeconomic area. Um, and uh, Kahu was from Tat, and while we were at high school, my high school was uh, in one area of West where I was sort of one of the top 
guys on at our high school, you know, making beats, doing music. He was sort of the first crew, the tat crew, you know, coming up. And then when it came to uni, you know, I was looking for someone to, you know, I need some production. I'm, I was so hungry. He was looking for someone, to, you know, MC. And then we just hit it off there. We did pretty much the first year we hooked up, we did Big Day Out, the first ever hip-hop stage that they had at Big Day Out. And, you know, nice. we were in there with Decepticons first starting out, Taina, Sheila Rock with Lady Six and all that. And, um, you know, that was like, far, you know, this is us. And um, but then you know we hooked up with a record label and it didn't really work out. We sort of got off got off track. And um, but we ne- we didn't even though we had some industry problems, we never let that stop us from being passionate about our music. We said, well, you know, whether people gonna like it or not, if, if we're true to the music and we love it, well, you know, that's the main thing that counts. So um, and yeah, and it's, it's sort of come around. I'm glad that um, we've come here tonight. We were tying in four corners. We were like we just love their stuff. We respect them so much. And uh, for Welly, Welly to like open their arms to us and you know hook it up, Toy Māori, Creative New Zealand, mm. it's fantastic. So despite the kind of record deal falling through, there are still lots of avenues in New Zealand for you to, you know, get some support. Yeah, I think well, one one of the things that even since even since we started in around that 2000 at uni and. We've been going since then. Um, like now, the internet is like the whole world's at your doorstep. You know, Isn't you can it? you can talk to the whole world. You don't need a deal anymore. You know, you know, there's there's guys out there who've um, they just you know from could be from anywhere. They just put their music um, out there, and you know, record deals come knocking. So maybe we'll get some luck with that. But there's other sites. Um, uh, Matreya, I don't know if you heard of Matreya. He's a uh, He's an MC. He was used to be with uh, Dark Tower. He uh, oh, yeah. he's uh, working in uh, in New York now. But anyway, he um, he hooked up with a site, uh, a specialist site called um, I think it's called uh, Sellerband, Sellerband.com, and it's like <laughs> it's pretty easy to it's sort of it's sort <laughs> of yeah, it's sort of um, like you put your music out there and you profile yourself, and people around the world like donate money to support you. Yeah. And uh, he ended up getting fifty grand, I think it was US or something along that, just from putting his music on the net, you know, and those opportunities I don't think were around 10 years ago, you know, there's specialist sites now that, you know, the whole world is willing to back you up if you just, I think if you're just proactive and you're thinking about it and getting your stuff out and continue to make the music and it sounds tight, then, you know, who knows what's around the corner sort of thing. At the end of your days, how will you be remembered? Just remember me as a brave heart. So much is made about Dawn Raid and the the record company going bust, right? How much of an impact does that have on you as practitioners in the industry? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it impacts us because it's maybe a sign of how the industry's going, I guess, but really it doesn't impact us too much for what we're doing. You know, we just sort of do what we do and stay con- focused on that. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think that uh, well, with the Dawn Raid, I don't know the full story with the Dawn Raid, but from what I heard, you know, um, one of the articles I read about it was that um, 
that Dawn Reed, they were fantastic, but they put a lot of their um, their effort was into over-the-counter sales, like to break into Australia. And But they were saying at that time was like the explosion of iTunes and all that. And, you know, a lot of people, there's, you know, in the next 20 years, there's going to be a whole generation that never own a CD, never own a vinyl. Mm-hmm. You know, all their stuff will be MP3s or straight off iPods, you know. And so um, that's where it's at now. You know, you've got to try and be in the digital market and over the counter. Most people, most kids don't even go to the counter store now when they can just get it downloaded in five minutes. So, you know, you've really, if you're an artist and you, I think that's what was one of the things that we learned from Dawn Reed was, um, you know, you've got to expand, you've really got to get in the net and, and try and brand yourself and um, get out there. And if you put all your money and all your effort into over-the-counter sales and no one's doing over-the-counter, it's all through the net, you know, you've got to get those avenues. But all, all props to um, to Dawn Reed because, you know, you've just seen the artists in the latest New Zealand uh, music awards and that they're still still blowing up still. You know, they're like Savage, he's broken into the States and that's shown that, you know, no one ever thought that New Zealand artists could break it into those those markets, and they are. And it's I, just breaking I, ground, eh? Yeah. It's breaking ground for every artist that's going to come after them, really. So, yeah, much respect for them, and, yeah, we look up to people doing their thing. Now, much is made about how hip-hop is... I mean, it's a lifestyle choice, eh? There's the clothing, you know, there's... There's a facado, there's there's everything like that. Now, how much of that is influential in terms of what you guys do? Um, it's kind of influences me in everything. It's 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 become a part of who I am as a person, and I really don't think that myself during the day is any different from myself during the night when I'm doing the DJ thing. I I conduct myself in the same way to people when I'm teaching as to when I'm talking to people just out on the street. So, yeah, I think it's it's become a part of who I am. And, yeah, I represent it and I'm proud of it. Yep. Yeah, um, I'm not really into the whole America hip-hop. I like... I think, you know, no doubt American hip-hop, they birthed the hip-hop scene and um, they have a major influence, no doubt every MC in New Zealand who's come up, you know, they've been influenced by someone overseas. And uh, But I was mainly for me, like, Damn Native is one that always comes to me. It's like, you know, they, for me, even though, um, uh, you know, everyone's into whatever might be from overseas, you know, at the time they came out, you know, they were fully real. They were really breaking it, You know, their clips were real. And I don't think anyone's even matched them to this day, you know. There's been mean clips that have blown up, that have gone, you know, overseas to Aussie and all that, but they don't have that Māori tangata whenua essence like they they try to do. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping, you know, they're one of my idols. I'd like to bring Mauraco or or some ahuatanga Māori or Māori imagery into my clips and just hammer it hard so, you know, that people know when they see us Hey man, Tangata you know, it's it's from it's from our homeland, it's Aotearoa, we're representing Aotearoa. And through that I'm I'm keen to like break a lot of those stereotypes, like you have to be a thug to be into hip hop, you know, you have to be a gangster, you have to wear the same shoes, you know. It's I think whatever's coming from the heart is, is the main thing, eh? What even if you're really horried out with Paru gears, you know. It doesn't matter, it's just be yourself, be true to yourself. But I would like some bling bling if I got some. <laughs> some some tamoko bling bling. Yeah. Oh, gee, I was thinking more along a car. <laughs> well, I wouldn't oh, say that, that too, that too. <laughs> would it be fair to say that you see hip hop as being complementary to Tikana Māori or Kopapa Māori? Mm, I think it fits in well with it. 
Definitely, yeah. yeah. And I think that's uh, one of the reasons that a lot of the Māori youth today are drawn towards it. You know, it's an energetic culture. It's you know a lot of it. There's a lot of energy in it, and it's a, it allows an outlet for expression, which a lot of young people got a lot to express these days. So, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of young youth are drawn to it. Yeah, I think me personally, with um, especially as a Māori, like you know, for me, I personally believe that you know our people. Uh, you know, here we rangatira. Um, we were some of the best orators in the world, if not the world. You know, and um, sometimes I think, you know, if we were such great orators and we still are such great orators, how how come there's not so many? There's not enough MCs coming through. You know what I mean? Because mm. while I know there's talent, you know, it's, the thing with New Zealand is we're so talented everywhere. You know, wherever you go, there's just hot, hot MCs and and. Um, it's, but you sort of, they never rise to the top like in the mainstream, you know, and you wonder where are they all? Because you know they're out there, they're on every street corner, you know. Mm. Um, and I think, especially being Māori, you know, um, you know, when we're taught that, you know, te te rangatira he kōrero, you know, it's just, that's the same thing. We're trying to, you know, just use the hip hop as a vehicle to still, you know, get that, that rangatira kōrero through to our people. Kia ora, Infinite Renster and DJ Kinetic at the Māori Music Summit Pau 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 Hip Hop Gig. The sole wahine sharing the bill was Katharina Pihira, who on a play with her name, Princess Attack, feels she is helping to feminise the Aotearoa hip-hop scene. Kia ora, ko te arawa rawa ko Ngāpuhi o Kuiwi, ko Ngāti Rangiwiwihi tōku iwi tūturu nō Rotorua ahau, ko Katharina Pihira tōku ingoa, a.k.a. Princess Attack. So what leads a Ngāti Rangiwewehi wahine into hip-hop? Uh, back when I was growing up, and um, I, I, I got into hip-hop. It was really popular at the time, and some of my mates were starting a crew, a hip-hop crew, and and um, I used to go along to their practices and... and uh, ended up trying to get up with them a few times and leasing their choruses so then I started writing my own rhymes and um, being able to feature with them with Random Click and uh, just all started from there. So who are some of your heroes internationally? Well for me TLC, Lauren Hill, Missy Elliott, Tupac, Dr Dre, I grew up listening to um, Death Row Records, you know, and uh, just like the beats, like the music, and um, but now I, I I like what's coming out of Aotearoa, and um, I try and, and give a feeling of uh, of our culture and my music, my hip hop style. Now, how do you do that? Do you use Te Reo Māori? Is it the way you do your stage show? Uh, I use te reo in my, in my kupu, um, in my waiata, and um, I use, yeah, I guess stage presence. I, I use uh, um, mahi aringa, um, poi, um, pukana <laughs> when necessary. Um, and yeah, just the kopapa. I think I try and base the kopapa around our realities and our stories. Now, there's, you know, there's quite a lot of negativity around the way that females are portrayed in hip hop. Hey, 
What's your whakaaro around that? Yeah, I think it's just the commercial line that, that hip-hop goes for and um, that's what seems to sell and um, I don't think it's um, necessary for us to follow that suit. So, you know, it it's, doesn't seem to be going, going anywhere but that's what's um, coming over from the States at least. But... You know, I think what what we have is is our own unique culture here in Aotearoa, and that's what we need to utilise and and promote. So, how do you think that um, the style that you're doing and the cruise you're featuring in is really cracking it around Fakaro Māori or Tikano Māori or Kaupapa Māori? Well, I guess. I hope that it's 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 reaching um, it's a message that's been put out there and, and received. Well, I don't know for sure. I haven't um, been exposed really widely to the public here in Aotearoa, but um, I guess the audiences I have performed to usually notice that there's something different about my music and. Um, I've had the opportunity to perform over overseas, and I think it's more obvious the the, the difference um, that I'm portraying over there because of of uh, our u- uniqueness um, and me using waiata, Maori, mahiaringa, and things like that. Um, that the culture is more evident, but I guess I want to try and put my music out there and, and, and get that feedback and see what people think. So when you were performing overseas, was that with other Indigenous crews? Well, I had the opportunity to go to Canada and perform as a um, as a activist slash artist. So um, that was at the Fourth World Youth Congress where 600 rangatahi from around the world um, came together in Quebec in Canada and people were there as journalists, educationalists, activists um, and I was there as an artist to share my whakaaro and culture through music so um, I didn't collaborate at that stage but I, from that event um, I was connected with uh, another event run by Wapikuni Mo- Mobile and they're an indigenous film um, company and they were running a, a hip-hop uh, festival or concert uh, as part of the Quebec's 400-year birthday foundation colonisation uh, celebration. So I got to perform with uh, Quebec's hip-hop finest and that was a real... real um, honour for me to go there and meet these, most of them were all indigenous and um, and hear them rap and, and I couldn't understand the word they were saying <laughs> because uh, Quebec is French Canadian uh, so everyone speaks French and they also speak, spoke their um, their native tongue so but I, I loved it, I loved their music I loved what they had to share even though I couldn't understand it fully um, you know, they shared to me what they were what they were saying in their music. Um, 
at different times and and it was just awesome to be there and you know I, I know that they appreciated sharing the stage with me I was the only female I was the only one rhyming and um, English singing and stuff so um, made some good friends and got invited back and uh, yeah it was it's something awesome to remember so are you finding when you're when you were mixing it up with other Indigenous peoples on that international stage, were you finding that, one, it's heartening for you, it's kind of validating what you do, and were you also finding that you can see the similarities between Indigenous peoples and the shared, shared struggles? Definitely. Um, you know, at the event with the hip-hop crew from Quebec and um, I went on to New Mexico and performed at the Native Roots and Rhythms Festival um, I was the only one there doing hip hop but the native reggae groups and um, you know they, I can hear the same messages and, and their people are, are admiring it and they're really in support of, um, of what they have to say as native people and I think that they were feeling the same thing from me because um, we have similar messages and um, I actually got to introduce Catch Fire to the stage they were the main act in, at the Native Roots and Rhythms Festival in Santa Fe so you know just to have these similarities of cultures and of who we are as indigenous people um, you just you just feel connected now you're from Ngāti Rangiwewehi, Rotorua. Now that whānau is renowned for kapahaka. So what are their responses to you and being in hip hop? Um, well, I was on my way to Canada at the same time as the um, regionals in Tarawa, <laughs> and um, some of my cousins were still saying, "Nah, cuz, <laughs> don't worry about it. Just jump in with us," you know. You don't need to go to Canada, just stay here. But, um, you know, I know that they want me to share our culture and, and who we are as, um, as Rangiwewehi uh, in any form, um, you know, musically around the world. So I, I know I have their support, and, um, you know, they I've done kapahaka uh, not with Rangiwewehi, actually. I'm quite new to kapahaka, but I have performed uh, on a regional stage and uh, national stage and um, I feel I feel that that's something that I'm, I'm privileged to always have um, within me so I can I can you I can move on to that I know how much commitment it takes to to be in a regional and, and national group. Um, but for myself, you know, I want to commit to sharing my messages through hip hop and soul music, and um, and and share my fakaro that way. Princess Attack, that's A T A K. One of the performers at the Kopapa Māori Music Summit, Pau Pau Pau, and at our website radionz.co.nz forward slash tiahika, you'll find links to her website as well as information on artists. Infinite Redenstar and DJ Kinetic.
based in Blenheim, brought up at Mangamonu Pa, that's around 11 k's north of Kaikoura on the coast there, sat with me a few months back and over a cup of tea record her upbringing. Lexi Stark is my name and my my parents were, my father was a Pākehā, James King, and my mother was Māori. She was uh, Francis Poharama from Kaikoura. I was really born in Christchurch, but um, Kaikoura is our hometown. Just a, um, you were one of ten children. Yes, uh, six. There were six girls and four brothers in our family. In your oh. early life, Lexi, whereabouts? Early life, we lived with our. Go- Grandparents and Mangamanu um, was lovely there. No matter where we went, whichever home we went into, we were always welcome. There was always, you know, yeah, we were like one big family, didn't matter. We were one big family, all the ones in the pa. A fair bit of our time was spent going bird nesting. <laughs> in those days, they paid us for the uh, bird's eggs because there were so many birds and I think the birds, you know, when the farmers and that grew their seeds, that's how they used to get rid of them. For all the eggs that we could get, we got paid for them. You'd climb a tree and put them in your mouth and then climb down. <laughs> and then we would, you know, the corn and berries would be getting ripe, so away we'd go with our, a little billy thing and climb the cornani trees and be covered with cornanis all around our faces of amount of eating. They were lovely. <laughs> they were really lovely. Um, Crackerberries, we used to have those. An uncle of ours used to, um, he used to get a lot, cook them in a big copper. And us kids would go up there and we'd get to help ourselves to you ate the kernel inside. Have you ever had, seen them, crackerberries? The fruit on the outside, they're just like a date. So we used to eat the orange part on the outside, uh, or they were lovely, and then but the, cook the kernel inside. When you, They used to cook them for about uh, three days just to take the poison out, but if I collect them now, I only cook them for so many hours. It's the inside that's poison, but when they're cooked, like nuts, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but I don't cook them for three days. I cook them for so many hours and that, and I think, oh, well, they're cooked, that's enough. It's just to make sure that they're cooked. But I suppose our, our, our people in those days were making sure. So they'd boil them up in a big copper for about three days to make sure they got all the poison out of them. The um, koa koa berries, you know. The kawakawa berries? Yeah, they're nice. I love them. Yeah. How do you prepare and just eat them? <laughs> when, the, when, when they're a nice orange colour. And then, yeah, and they have a kind of a cinnamony sort of flavour. Yeah. So was that like your main food source when you were growing up, everything around you? Everything around us, yes. 
And did it did it just happen by osmosis that you learned about you know what thing wasn't right, what would make you sick, what was poison, or can you remember the old people telling you things like that? Because you know how when you're a kid and you just know yeah. it's like oh don't eat that, that'll make you sick. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I can't remember them t- ever telling us not because I I just know that we used to just yeah I suppose that they must have warned us eh. I must have, I suppose. We just knew not to. Well, sometimes it's because there's loads and loads of kids of different ages together, mm. and you just hear it from your older cousin or your brother, or you know, it just falters. We just grew up together, knowing how to somehow. Bulla bullas. <laughs> what are bulla bullas? Bulla bullas. We call them bulla bullas, and what does the parkies call them? Deadly nightshades. But the right name is bulla bullas. It's something like. Starts with P. Pura, pura. Yeah, that's the right name. And, and they grow in the paddock. You know, the Pakefala farms used to have uh, this big paddock there with swedes all growing in it. And uh, the weeds, the dead nightshade, we call them bulla bullas. You'd find us Maori kids sitting in the middle of them. Dum, dum. <laughs> and they used to say, oh, that poison, that poison. Well, by Joe's, we must have cast iron stomachs. <laughs> Because <laughs> we grew, grew up with, you know, yes. I remember my daughter, Moana, they they had a session at Omaka Marae of all the different dialects, you know, of our people. And Moana says, she says, all the Aitahu people got B in their language, you know, for B. And um, she come home, she said, Mum, they wouldn't believe me. And I said, why? She said, I told them we had Naitaho people that had B in their, their uh, language, you know. And um, I said, where did you get that from, Moana? Mum, of course, she said, we used to have bulla bullas. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where you got the, yeah, the B in our language. Now, living so close to the uh, coastline, Kaimwana. Yeah, oh yes. We used to, um, the tide used to be out and we'd go to school. If the tide was out when we, we'd get to the beach, you only need to get around your ankles wet and get powers and we'd be eating them, all, you know. And then when we went home, it sort of depends on the tide, well, and we'd get the powers and get um, the ngayos, kayos. Um, they, if it was rough, they would wash up. We'd have those to chew it. What are they? Um, Kaios. Um, are they like a fig? And they're on a long... They're a seaweed sort of thing. Uh, uh, and they've got this big, you know, the uh, thing shaped like that on the end of them. And we just cut them. Oh, I suck at them, try to chew them over. They're lovely. I love them. <laughs> yeah, so we had coyotes. We had um, cutting ore. Uh, so you'd collect the cutting ore, dry it out? Dry it, yes. Cook it. We had, what else was there? And they had a big uh, a garden down by the mouth of the river, but also by the sea. And they did a big communal garden, 
Yeah. There were several families living there and um, it was like a freedom life. We were, you know, we could go, we could do what we liked. We, our grandparents and that, they were very religious in a sense because the Morris Society from Rotaki went down to Kaikor and that, and they, you know, the Māori people really became Catholics down there, and so our 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 poets and towers and that they were very um, dedicated to their religion, you know. So um, we were brought up like that. Uh, there was karakia said for nearly everything, but we did we didn't notice anything wrong with it, you know. Um, we went to school there at Mangamanu. There's one thing I must say that we never, like there were the, the Pākehā families, farmers and that lived around there, and they all went to Mangamanu school, so we really didn't know any difference between Māori and Pākehā. Down there we were all just, you know, we were just, all, all the same. And it, it wasn't till later years, I think, when we got to the stage, Maori people were Maori people and Pākehā people were, you know. Mm. There was, um, yeah. I can't re- ever remember us children going to any of the tangis. Not as a ch- when we were children. I can't... You know, ever remember that? There would have had to have been had to have been some distance covered too. I mean, there's quite a lot of distance between the marae, isn't there? Oh yes, but they had horse and cart. You know, yes, yes, they didn't. They didn't have cars. They had. That's when we were children. They had the horse and carts. Yeah. Lexi, what have some what have been some of the changes that you've observed over your years? in terms of tikana and things that happen on the marae? A lot of things now that they bought there that we we didn't do when we were children. Like? I can't, all, I, all I can remember is my grandmother used to do the karangas and, of course, they had their karakias. But there's a lot of lot of things that have you know that they're doing these days that they never did. You know that that I can remember ever doing. Our, our people all spoke in Tereo. We knew what they were talking about, but we didn't have to speak in it. Well, we didn't. And yet we knew what they were saying, you know, our grandparents and that. We knew exactly what they were saying and everything. And um, I, I think they were very, oh, how would I put it? Um, they were, were very proud, proud of who they were. 
and what they did. But they didn't actually force it onto us. I think that's it's, it would be mum's generations that, um, you know, when they stopped, um, when they didn't have to speak, weren't allowed to speak to Rio and that. And I think when that happened, a whole lot of the other other things happened. Like as far as how um, Koa and that. Uh, I think actually it, it, it it's inborn in us and and we just knew you know you just knew things what we had to do and what we weren't what we were allowed to do and what we weren't allowed to do it was in us you know it used to be a lot of time with us first up, best dressed, we went to school. <laughs> and But, you know, if there was sports or anything on that we had to compete against all the other schools, our people, all of us, all went out. They togged us up from head to toe. We always looked smart. Whenever there was, you know, things like that, like we had, had the sports and that in Kaikoura and had to compete against all the others. I tell you, we look the smartest. And our, our our ones were very artistic. Not me, I wasn't. But they were, you know, used to um, do their sketches and that, and they had um, the Indian ink and with this very fine, fine pen. And, um, you know, the ones in the um, senior class and that, they used to be beautiful work. Very, very, you know, artistic and that. And um, whatever we went in for, and that we always did well, you know. It was just, I think, a natural thing. Competing against each other, you know, in a nice way, yeah. So those ties, um, you've ended up retaining them during your lifetime? Well, I suppose we did, yes. Yeah. Um, Mangamani School was known as a native school. So we used to have to write a big list of what we needed and we got them all free. And I tell you what, we, we did write a big list. <laughs> a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we could think of, of of our list, you see, and then the teacher would send them away and each, each one of us got them, yeah. Was it a one-teacher school? Uh, it was for a start, and then we got they built another room on, and that, yes. And did, did it go from primers right up until people went to college? Yes, yes. And then what was the college that people would go to? Well, they went to the district high school in Kaikoura. Um, but then that the education board paid. If your father was a Māori... Well, they, they they could go away to college, and it was paid for, you know, but only if your father was a Māori. Like a boarding school? Mm. Some of ours went to St. Joseph's schools up in Napier. What we used to do, the uh, missionaries, 
mainly. The missionary priests used to come down from Otaki and they would stay there for a week. And, you know, our people just loved them. But they really did. And um, they would have the, they would have their corridors uh, and that at night time, you know, they'd have karakia and, and singing rioters and um, uh, have be, be having their corridors and us children would be outside playing and that. They would do that for a whole week uh, there, and and that they were lovely times because our people they just loved those priests that came down there. Uh, uh, one of the favourite priests, and I think it rubbed off a bit on me, was a Father Durning. I can remember him. He was when uh, you know, when that earthquake was on in Napier. Mm. Must have been a very young priest, just starting off then because he. He was, he got hurt in that, I know that much. But they used to come down there and spend the time and... You're talking about the 1931 earthquake in Napier? Yeah. So one of those priests that got hurt there, he used to be the one that used to go down, that I can remember. He used to ride a little pony and come and get us children and take us for um, catechism. And I can remember... My cousin and I, we had to go up and help him to do the church out. Now they had this altar and it had us doing the church out. So how the blazes were we going to reach the top to dust? So we stood on it. (laughs) (laughs) And I just jumped down and he came in. My cousin was still standing on Oh, dear, 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 dear me. Oh, you're a bad, bad girl. Oh, dear, dear, dear me, he was saying. And I'm just standing in the corner not saying nothing. <laughs> I just, I can't do it. Yes, those sort of things. And he had lovely gardens and fruit trees. They had lovely gardens and that, fruit trees and that. And remember rabbiting? They lived on, you lived on rabbits. <laughs> I yes, used to get up early in the morning, go with my grandfather, see get the rabbit traps, um, milk the cows, and then come around our cow bell and ask all us kids milking. When you, oh, there are some good singers. <laughs> <laughs> and the cows gave the milk. <laughs> Anything to pass the time away. Eh, oh, while you're doing the we milking. couldn't help. We just would sing, you know. <laughs> Lexi Starkey from from, uh, Kaikoura, really been living here in Blenheim for about 40 years. Kia ora, Lexi Starkey, and at our webpage there's a longer version of that kōrero. Ana i te whakaro a hone ngata, no Ngāti Parau, me te whakatauki nei. Ka puteruha, ka hao te rangatahi. It's time for our rangatahi to shine. Time for them to do their thing, get up on stage and represent who they are. Take on the world. Some Māori felt betrayed by the agreement the Māori Party reached with the National Party post-election. You'll hear from some of them next week, as well as the Minister of Māori Affairs, Peter Sharples. Hoi anō, ko tēnei te mutunga o te ahikā, hoki mai anō e 
he mihi atu tēnei ki ngā kai kōrero me ngā hoa mahi i tēnei wiki. Hei tērā wiki, mauri ora tātou katoa.